The Bizarre Cast contains adult themes and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Guys and gals, welcome back to The Bazaar. We are here in your ear, Richard and Robert, today giving you a new, brand new episode. Robert, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's been a while since we've done a Me and You cast, so this should, this should be good. I'm yeah, looking forward is, to uh, it. It's been a while. You've you've had your couple of interviews now, audience, and it's just back, the two boys uh, so we have a few things today. I'm going to start off with a few announcements. Now, if you have been paying close attention, there has been a YouTube page for the Bizarre Cast with a couple of videos there. We're going to be utilizing that a little bit more in the future. So please head on over to YouTube, type in the Bizarre Cast uh, as spelt on that podcast um, client that you're using to listen, and you will subscribe, hit that bell for brand new videos that we will hopefully be putting out in the near future and the second big announcement guys we now have a patreon page for you to support the show Uh, we would love your generosity if you have been enjoying the podcast over the last over two years but with myself and robert for season three jesus is it coming up on seven eight months now robert yes it's been uh Yes, seven, eight months. It's been a long time. So, guys, that is on Patreon. Every little helps. Uh, Just pretend I'm going to use the trope of Patreon. It just costs a cup of coffee a month to support the show. Every little helps. If you all pitch in, we will make the show bigger and better and continue, as we always do, to pour our hearts and souls into giving you the very best ear candy possible. So that's patreon.com forward slash the bizarre cast. We would really appreciate your patronage on that one. So the links are in every single episode. You have no excuse. You listen to this, you got to click that link. So that is my pitch for Patreon there. I won't shill myself anymore. And I suppose since we last spoke, uh, Robert, there's there's been a few things happening in the world, not just the media. Yes, just things we should touch on, even though it's out of the 24-hour news cycle. We should talk about Notre Dame, or Notre Dame, let me say. Yeah, what a pity that had it had to be like that. Uh, it's always reverse. Uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Uh, it was preventable. It's a shame, really, because stuff like that, like the Sphinx and the and the pyramids, you you want to be, you want it to be around. You want it to be protected and hopefully be on this earth for as long as we're on this earth. Certain things you want, but special like that. It was, I don't know, what was it, 900 years old, something like that. Your cathedrals in Europe are very, are very special. Yes, they are, because they're four times older than the U.S. themselves. Yes. So there's yes. a lot of history I, heritage. Yeah, I think I did the math. I think we're 243 years old. So 1976, we'd be 200. And then to 2019 is 43 on 76. So 243. Yeah, coming this July 4th, we'll be 243 years old. So we're uh, in the world. America is, uh, I don't know, we in, in our adolescence. We're growing up. Toddlers, I'd say, really. Oh, toddlers. We're toddlers. So I've never been to Notre Dame. Uh, I've been, obviously, in St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. Is the only way I could reference it. 
I'm sure the grandeur is more grand. So I know what a cathedral looks like, a very nice cathedral. That's like St. Patrick's Cathedral is a is a motel. But in comparison and the history and the art and all the artifacts that were lost, it was a shame that, uh, that the billionaires now want to put in all their money and save it. Whereas I think, I don't know, something like $40, $50 million in renovations would have been able to prevent the whole thing from happening. But I guess that's life. It's a shame. But uh, have, have you ever been to uh, Notre Dame? I have not really, but the, the closest I've been in France to Notre Dame has been Charles de Gaulle Airport on a stopover. Mm-hmm. I haven't spent much time there, but I have spent time in... I have been to the Vatican, which is also very vast, because in Notre Dame, I think they had the reported crown of thorns in Notre Dame. Uh, and as well, I've heard, because the billionaires coming under the woodwork now, I'm, I'm not going to touch too long on this, but there was a lot of people complaining, why couldn't that money be put elsewhere? But that's kind of besides the point what I'm going right. to make. Um, so they're kind of saying uh, that all the wood that they need to repair, there's actually trees in France are not tall enough. There's not enough old trees to actually replenish right. the work that needs to be done. But with all the preservations that have been done over 800 years i'm wondering is it a bit of a a ship of Theseus kind of thing where they've been slowly replacing and restoring for 800 years that it's not exactly the original notre dame that it was to begin with yeah i yeah i I, but i think some portions of it like the way they saved the wall in the world trade center uh memorial there's a piece of the wall it's not it's never going to it's that's the original wall it's never going to be replaced so i'm sure there's pieces of the original something has to be original uh, a, a wall piece of, of stained course. glass definitely i'd say the foundation yeah, from the brick yeah with yeah. the wood and everything yeah it is yeah oh yeah i'm sure and i'm sure the technology however you want to define the technology of the day um, they figured out, okay, well, you know, this has been around a hundred years or 200 years. It's time to, it's time to upgrade it or give it better support or however you want to look at it. I'm sure over time, someone figured out that it's, they weren't forecasting a thousand years in the future. So yeah, I'm sure there was pieces, uh, there were pieces in, um, that were just like, as you said, I'm just, I'm just basically repeating what you said is, uh, you know, they replaced piece by piece year by year. Maybe they fixed this and they fixed that. And how much of the actual original Notre Dame was there? Probably the outside structure may, who knows. And, but maybe the inside, more of the inside. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think actually they're trying to get it ready for the, the next Olympics, which are going to be in France. So that's why there's a big push now to get it done. Um, for oh, the yeah. next one. That's why the billionaires the billionaires came out for Exactly. That. And I suppose the next point is nothing got to do with, I suppose, uh, loss of heritage, uh, but heritage in another way. It's a lineage and heritage. Um, there was a city yes. doctor scandal of late. In Vermont. Yes, a fertility doctor in Vermont had used his own sperm to impregnate women and these um adult women now the children who are now adults uh went to ancestry.com and 23andme.com to find out i don't i don't i didn't read the whole story i just knew that they did that and 
they found out that they were all uh, related to this doctor, which was in as in the 1970s, which is crazy. In 1977, then there's a big lawsuit against this hospital, which I don't know. I guess if you didn't know, if you didn't know all those 40 something years, does it bother you? I don't know. Like that ancestry.com. Like if you found out, if you see the commercial and you've been living, uh, I think one of the commercials is like a, uh, a guy that's German. And then he finds out that he's, uh, I don't know, 40% Scottish. I don't know. Is that going to change your life? Not too much. Like let's, it's hard let's, to say. Let's ponder, ponder philosophically. Let's let be specific. Yeah, okay. yeah cause definitely. Because um, I don't know. It's it's always a case of you see adopted children or it, your father or your dad or your mother, whichever. It's who raises you. It's nothing got to do with the genetics at yeah. this stage. Um, if I find out tomorrow that right. my mother or father was not my real parent, I don't think it would change much of how I would feel about them because obviously that is who I know as my parent. You'd also have to think right. if someone was, well, at the same token, sperm donation, it's it's a weird parallel, but what's popping into my mind is a couple of years ago in Europe, there was a horse meat scandal. Uh, in certain countries in Europe, they do eat horse, but there was these cheap burgers mm-hmm. that were being labeled with are not labeled, but mislabeled, but they did contain horse meat. Now, to tie this back into the fertility, if you knew you were getting a horse burger, there'd be no issue. The fact no one knew there was horse in there and they were eating the burgers unknowingly with horse, there was the issue. People didn't know. So to tie it back into the fertility issue, these women were expecting a fertility clinic. They, I don't know, they might've said, I want a man who has tall blonde whichever i don't know the uh the way they did it no that is uh that i know that i know for sh- for sure is they were specific the women that were getting um fertilized were trying to get a replication as close to yeah. their husbands yeah, yeah. as possible so, so if they were if they were blonde if they were whatever um i don't remember the exact details but they were looking for a specific exactly. type so that it would look like, so that it would look like as close to as um, their biological, yeah, as good parents. as the genetics could go, sort of late seventeen eighties. Yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, that's my, yeah. I suppose comparison of like they were expecting one thing, this guy took it upon himself to essentially just be, I don't know what's the word, just an absolute despicable, deranged person. But these things are funny because. I don't know, are you familiar with like synchronicity or the beta meinhof phenomenon? I've recently been watching uh, The Blacklist. It's just come on Netflix for us. Yeah. And one of the episodes I was mm-hmm. watching during the week that happened to come on, as I knew we'd be talking about this, was an episode, essentially the exact same thing. There was this boutique, I suppose, fertility clinic. Now, it was a little bit more sinister in that they were kidnapping the women, but the owner of the clinic he was oh. siring all the children as well. So it was a parallel story to what we were talking about today. Yeah. And in our morbid section, which we, it's not really morbid, but I don't know what to call it because we've done several of these. There's been some notable deaths, and I'll just talk about Charles Van Doren, who is a comes from a literary family, and he's infamous and famous because he did write books, and he's infamous for the quiz show scandals of the 
scandal of the 1950s where they uh, fed him the answers because it was getting good TV ratings and they wanted to keep it going. And on that same note, before I continue with the um, deaths, uh, there's a guy on Jeopardy now named James Holzenhauer or Holzhauer. I don't know how to say his name. He's on a roll now. He's he's just about to get within range of Ken Jennings. He's at $1.4 million. He's won 19 days in a row or 20 days in a row now. I don't know. I don't know if he's lost. I might I might when I wrote this down, he was winning. He might have lost. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah. He was uh, he made the news a lot. He was on the news. That's how I noticed that. And I was like, oh, I didn't never thought that Ken Jennings, who also has does a podcast, by the way, also in the podcast business. But uh, yeah, he, there is uh, Charles Van Doren. They, they made a movie in 1994 called The Quiz Show, and it starred uh, Ray Fiennes and uh, John Turturro. And it was a good movie, and it explains the whole story of the quiz show so go watch that movie if you have any interest in that and lorraine warren of the conjuring universe or the paranormal uh if you want to call them investigators i don't know if you want to call them baloney it depends if if you're a believer it depends if you're a believer if you're not a believer um yeah so your thoughts on the whole conjuring and the whole paranormal sure so I suppose, like Ed and Ray and Warren, um, if anything, they were great show people. Um, because to an extent, if you're a paranormal investigator and you're one of the best, now, some people might say you have a gift and you can feel and get in touch with the ether and see past it. But other people might be a little bit more skeptical, like myself, and say it's all a ruse and you might be uh, preying on people who might be a little bit more vulnerable, who need closure a loved one who might have suddenly died that sort of thing um so to see them get such success because obviously she would have been alive and all these uh, movies like the one verse if you want to call it has been exploding yes uh they're profiting off what they've done with people uh i'm not too sure how i feel about it because these stories are obviously based on what they have reported as paranormal investigators now, to be a paranormal investigator, to make up these stories, you have to be dealing with someone who owns these houses. If they own these houses, they must have some sort of connection to the, I suppose, reportedly dead person in the house. And it's a little bit strange. I'm a little bit conflicted. Um, I saw a lot of, not uproar, but a lot of people in on the Lorraine Warren actually being dead on Twitter, being like, oh, you know, RIP, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I don't know if she's really that good a person because they probably made millions off the back of these movies. Even though, if how are they getting the rights to the movies or you know money? Well, I I don't know. They mightn't. But how are they yeah. profiting if these are meant to be real stories? You know, like how can you sell the rights to something that's actually true events? I'll just say she lived to a good age. She died at ninety three. I'll give them a little credit because they did. They did put in the work. I mean, they went to every anything that you could say was paranormal or whatever. I mean, those things are are a joke. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be a non-believer. I'm gonna give you the non-believer. I mean, you got these ghost hunters. Please show me a ghost. In ten years, you haven't shown me a ghost. The Earth is got some magnetism in it, so that you have some sort of 
not Geiger counter, but anything that shows magnetism. And if that sets it off, I mean, there's all kinds of electrical. I mean, our heart it beats because of an electrical well, it's charge. Like that Scientology so all of that, that thing. That doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't prove it doesn't prove anything. So so what? You got some you found some electric uh, electrical activity or magnet magnetism or whatever. Um but whatever they were creative. Listen, that's what who Houdini, that's it. Houdini spent the rest of his life after he realized he couldn't top himself by debunking these yeah. people. He was a debunker of this and he told his wife that um when he died to light a candle and, you know, invoke his name. And if it blew out, then she knew that there was something on the other side and they spent, I don't know, something like two hours with this candle and it melted down. It didn't blow out and wind didn't blow it out. And it, he, it, it proved to them that that's, there is nothing on the other side, but, there's also people that have faith, so I'm not going to knock the people with their faith. It's just he was a extreme realist because he was into magic, and he wanted to de- debunk the people that were scamming people, like you said, like the people that s- say, "Hey, you know, give me, you know, I, I feel an S. I feel, you know, is and the, and the guy just happens to be named Steve. Was he related to? Was he, you? Is you know, someone that was he you driving knew, a car? Like, so vague. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. And it's so vague and it's all, and it's, and it's TV. It's really, it's really fooling the audience on television because the guy that's crossing over and talking, supposedly talking to the dead is in on it with the person who's coming out of the audience. It's, it's just, if you know anything about television, you know, that's how it works. Okay. We're moving on. This is in, in your territory and mine. I mean, I don't hate star Wars, but. Uh, Peter Mayhew, who was in the Chewbacca suit, passed away at 74. That's not as long as uh, Lorraine Warren, but yeah, I was. Much, he passed away. So your thoughts? You, you are the Star was much Wars more universe recent, person, as in yesterday, I believe. Uh, so we're actually kind of on top of this. Yes. Um, yeah, it's sad. He was quite young, but yes. he seemed, from what I've seen over the last few years, because I know they got him back to be Chewbacca in at least some of the scenes in the the recent films that. Um, He's just been in a bad way, like health-wise, he can barely walk. I suppose he's a really tall guy. Um, you often see that with tall people, that their joints start to fail. Um, but he was quite young. I'm a little bit surprised. Mm-hmm. I didn't really look into it too much to see how he actually died, um, like what were his complications or anything like that. Um, but yeah, he's lived a good life, I suppose. He's had a good career. Um, I'm not you know, crying out for him at night or anything like that, but... Um, yeah, it's kind of sad to see, uh, <laughs> and, I suppose, these characters and people are getting older because we had Carrie Fisher a couple of years ago. You know, it's just yeah. t- time, time waits for no man. It, it, time, time is, yeah, time's always, uh, yeah. it's always going forward. You know, and who would know the, uh, even the guy that played the Predator, he yeah, didn't he yeah, die young too? Was he a young Kenyan man? Or yeah, he, he died. died it's like, it's like a, yeah, it's like a, a great, it's like a Great Dane. A Great Dane doesn't live that long. Like certain dogs have, you know, like the big, big dogs, they don't live long, and the, I think the little dogs live longer, or something like that. It's something with the height. I don't know, but uh, yeah, who would know? Who would know? Who, who would know who's under that? Um, exactly, because the they have a new, I think, Danish guy or something. I don't want to be wrong on this, but it is they have replaced him with a young guy for basically every scene that Chewbacca's running. Yeah, they have a new guy, but I think. 
I'm not too sure that Peter May used to do the roars, yeah. but they could easily just take archive recordings. Um, it's kind of one of these things where absolutely he was never front and center. It's like, who's that guy? It's the equivalent of Doug Jones, who's been in many movies. He's was like the amphibian man in The Shape of yes. Water. He was um, the yes. other amphibian guy in Guillermo del Toro's um, Hellboy series. He's always under costume. He's done many monsters that you wouldn't even know. And it's just once he kind of passes, if you're a fan, you know of him. I'm sure a lot of people don't even know who Peter Mayhew is. And un- unfortunate as it is, um, someone can just replace yeah, him under the know. suit. Um, but, you know, as a fan, as a human, as someone who has compassion and empathy, uh, it is sad to see him die. As I said, all these people are starting to die now. I don't want to repeat myself too much, but... It, yes, I know. You go... The, the, it's, just the, it's just the thing of your... your it's a mocker of your own mortality because yeah. now it's they're dying. More, it makes really. you think about your, your place in your own life. Yeah. And, and, and another guy that's always on the makeup is Ron Perlman. He's, he is the Hellboy and beauty and the beast. Um, so he's another guy that's under you, but you, he's done, at least he's done some movies where, um, you've seen his face, but, most of his famous stuff is him under makeup, though there's a new Hellboy. There's a new everything. But uh, to dovetail from one Star Wars story to another quickly is your thoughts on Mark Hamill being the new Chucky of all things. Yeah, of course. So Chucky are the original titles of Child's Play. And the new yeah. movie is called Child's Play now as well, yes. to be fair. Um, it's good. He is a fantastic voice actor and yes. um, he's done he's probably one of the best renditions of the joker in all the animated yes. movies which a lot of people nope. wouldn't see because they always get some sort of dvd vhs release yes. there's never a wide release on those but they're always really good the original i'm going on a tangent here but the original batman series and everything was very good mark hamill is one of these guys who's had a fantastic behind the scenes career as a voice actor since star wars so people might say what's he doing he's washed up and you know he's great yeah he is uh i was gonna say that i have over time with the kids uh shown them that and the animations believe it or not tell the story way better than the big million billion dollar blockbuster movies um and he is an excellent Joker. People will say, well, they'll always have their favorites. If you grew up with the kind of campy, um, not kind of campy, it was campy, 60s Batman, which is in the, especially against the times of the 60s, is weird. But I guess it was an, they saw it more as an outlet as, okay, in real life, you have all this tumultuous stuff going on. Uh, this like is a Cold this, War. Yeah, Cold War, Kennedy, Civil Rights, all of that stuff. And uh, look at looked at as an outlet, but Caesar Romero, it can't be forgotten. Uh, Jack Nicholson, because everybody loves Jack, but I don't know if he was a great Joker, but definitely Mark Hamill. If, from watching these, I went, "Wow, he!" And it was Star Wars wasn't on the radar. I mean, maybe it was behind the scenes, but in the public. It wasn't on anything. It wasn't like anybody knew that this was coming down the pike. It seemed like he knew that, um, you know, I'm going to dive right into this and I'm going to be a really great joke. And he was. 
his perform. I think he did a better performance, even though it's you're watching an animation. He is performing it. He's putting his all into that audio. He's not just reading off that script. He's acting. You're not seeing it, but he is acting. So yeah, uh, as him being the new Chucky, I don't know why they are remaking. They just put out a Chucky on Netflix. Maybe I don't know, eighteen months ago by the original maker of the Child's Play, and it brought back all of the Jennifer Tilly and uh, even the daughter of the actor, I forget his name, uh, was in it. And it really pleased the Chucky Child's Play fans because that's who they were catering to. They were not trying to uh, revive it. It wasn't trying to be a remake. They said, okay, this is the audience. This is the people who like it. Um, and this is who we're making it for. And that's it. They weren't expecting it to be a big, um, you know, revival. Like it wasn't like they're trying to be Halloween or Star Wars or any of these remakes that then do big business, though they've done it a bazillion times, you know, before. But on that note, Rich, you have some good stories to tell of your adventures in Australia. I do. So a couple of months ago, we did an episode. It was your reprising role and you interviewed me. It was Tales from the Orient. I think there could be an episode down the line where it's Tales from the Occident. For those not in the know, the Occident is the Western equivalent of the East. So there you go. That's your word of the day. Um, Yeah. So in the last couple of uh, weeks, because, yeah, we've been We've been busy, the two of us, uh, getting interviews out. We haven't really had yeah. actually time to talk ourselves um, in person. So this is more an exercise in me telling you a story and everyone else out there. So, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I'll start for my birthday. Jesus, couple, lots of wow. weeks ago now. Um, <laughs> I went to a place called Port Stevens. Now, there was this lovely, um, it was a quad biking tour of these sand dunes now. They were on Aboriginal lands that were given back to the Aboriginal people down in Australia, the Indigenous Australians, and lovely giant dunes. And it wasn't so much that you get to tear around the dunes. You actually went on like a respectful tour of the dunes and you go up and down the dunes. Uh, it was quite exhilarating, but uh, they were like, please don't go to the beach or anything like that because off the coast was a great white shark breeding ground and it was in the middle of the season. So they said they had a, a few silly tourists uh, over the years that would go in for a dip and there'd just be baby great whites out there. So that was cool little thing. So that was like one little story of going around Australia because there's lots of natural beauty. I was under the impression, uh, ignorantly, but the depictions of Australia in the media would just be that there's beaches and desert. Uh, that is not the case at all i must say from being down here and so another thing i was doing um a couple of weeks ago as well uh was i went up to the great barrier reef now yeah it was good so people always say like oh it's great barrier reef it's dying um you know what does it look like is you know is it dead is it all bleached so i've said this to a few people but essentially we went to two different sites uh and we were pretty much swimming maximum you know 200 meter squared little squat uh plots so if you're an american and use the imperial system of measurement that's yes please i was just gonna say 600 please 600 square foot possibly there you go i was gonna say something like that please please convert that for us americans who don't use 
<laughs> exactly. So it's about 600 square feet. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so the first spot, to be fair, uh, it was very much bleached. You could see it was dying. Uh, there was a few places where the broken coral, it kind of washes into a pit, so it look, really does look like a boneyard. But the strangest thing about it, because I'm used to swimming in the Atlantic in Ireland, where the water never gets above four degrees. This was 27 degrees Celsius. I'm not too sure what that is in Fahrenheit. Maybe like in the 80s, 90s maybe. And mm. it was like dipping into a jacuzzi and the sea air was warm as well. So you're always wondering like, oh, the sea temperature is rising. How is the coral dying? This was like jumping into a jacuzzi. Uh, so that was the first spot. Then we moved to the spot and we saw like beautiful fish. It was a lot more vibrant. But the thing is, did I see the Great Barrier Reef? No, I was talking about Charles de Gaulle Airport earlier. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, the size of the Great Barrier Reef is about 2,700 kilometers. What do you reckon that is in miles, roughly? Okay, let me just do that real quick on the calculator. It's, uh, it's roughly 1,600 miles. Yeah, so uh, we were told it was the size of Italy. So to be in the Charles de Gaulle Airport to say that you saw France is probably the equivalent, if actually not a better approximation. So it's like seeing it just a little patch and saying that you saw it, I saw pieces of it as a representation. Um, It is beautiful. It's kind of one of these things of like, I didn't want to see it to be disrupting it. But now that I've seen it, I'm being one of these like zealous people who are like, no, you shouldn't see it because it will destroy it after I have seen it. You know, that sort of selfish way. Yeah. But you're not supposed to have sunscreen because that does damage the coral. So we actually had full rash suits because there's very bad issues with... um, box jellyfish out there right now and there's, yes. there's plumes out there because there's no natural predators um there's another thing i suppose if you watch the new david attenborough our planet they have an episode on the reef which is kind of sad but invigorating but that's kind of besides the point for this story said said and invigorating but also um uh, a little bit of a huckster with the slow-mo and the and the music, but go ahead. Yeah, so, and then on that one then, um, we were to go up to the Daintree Rainforest, which is the oldest continually growing rainforest in the world. So, as I was saying, Australia is not deserts and beaches. Uh, this is a giant rainforest, which has actually been protected. It's not like the Amazon or anything like that. So, it's over 120 million years old, continuously growing. And just for context, uh, the dinosaurs got wiped out about 60 million years ago. So it's a bloody old forest. Now, the problem was (laughs) there was a big storm and we drove all the way up, but there was a storm coming in and we had to cross a river, which was absolutely taunting and raging. So the ferry man was just like, "Nah, you're not coming through. So it was the first tour in 11 years that your man had to cancel. Uh, He was absolutely gutted. We did get a refund. So in the meantime, I didn't get to see the rainforest, but we did go to see Captain Marvel, which uh, was not as good as seeing such a wonder as an old rainforest. So onto my, which yeah, yes, which didn't which didn't make uh, the rainforest didn't make two billion dollars. No, no, it didn't. But it might make no, two billion yeah. years at this rate. We don't know. Yes. So onto the next Australian adventure. Recently, uh, there is a not a holiday; it's a commemoration day. Uh, known as Anzac Day. So for those, I wasn't too familiar with Anzac. I had heard the phrase before, but it's Australian New Zealand Army Corps Day. So it's uh, to sort of commemorate. Firstly, was when the Australians went to 
Gelepoli, is it? In, I think that's off Egypt, is it? Okay. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. Anyway, the Australians landed on the shores of northern Africa during World War I. Uh, it's to mark that, but it's evolved over time into a commemorative day of just the Australian and New Zealand um, armed forces, more so than the Army Corps itself, because yeah, obviously there's other branches of the military. So it is a, a public holiday, and it was just after Easter, so I only had a, a three-day week that week. And it there is a, a famous, or some might say infamous, game. It's a gambling game. It's illegal in New South Wales, which is the state that I'm in, for one day of the year. It's called Two Up. Now, the thing with Two Up, the reason it's illegal, firstly, and I'll, then I'll explain what the movie is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie. I'll explain what the rules are. Uh, it is illegal because it is unregulated, because it is just all private betting. The house can't win any money, and that's why it's illegal. Now, there is a big gambling problem in Australia. Every single pub has a quote-unquote VIP room, which is just slot machines and poker machines. Very, very mm-hmm. strange. And every single pub as well has betting stations and horse racing. It's, it's wild. The Melbourne Cup itself, which is another... It's actually a day off in the state where it's on, in Melbourne, uh, down in South Australia. No, it's in Victoria. It is a day off there. It's called the Race That Stops the Nation. So everyone stops work for the five, ten minutes that the race is on. So that's a different story. It's another betting story with Australia. But this two-up game, two-up. Yes, sir. Please explain (laughs) this to me. I'm I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated now. It is two coins. You put two fingers in the air. <laughs> so it's, no, two it's, coins. It's two okay. coins on a paddle. And so the guy in the middle, he mm-hmm. gets to flip. He has to put money forward before he gets on. So the place I was, it's one of the oldest pubs in Australia. It's called the Australian. It's the best place, apparently, for this two-up. So they had it on a raised platform, and there was two sort of moderators, all dressed in sailors up there. So the rules are simple. It took me a while to get it. But once I got it, it was like, this is easy. So you have to get two up of either heads or tails and you flip it up on the paddle it lands down if it's uh, split if it's odds you get to roll again and if you lose if the guy up there keeps flipping and there's odds three times in a row his punishment was to do 10 push-ups and if it's on the fifth throw they actually introduce a third coin to force the two up now how the betting works because this is where i hadn't a clue what was going on People put money over their heads. So if I got a $20, $20 over my head, and if you were in the crowd and you tapped me on the shoulder, Rob, you'd give me $20. So No, I would not. Well, I would you, just take you, the 20 you off your head. Would not. And so you'd give me the $20. No, and- no, no, no. I would take the 20 and I'd say, let's instead of gambling it, let's go have a couple of beers. Yeah, well, there was there was <laughs> beers also. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, oh, there was uh, beers. Sorry. Yeah, so- a pizza. Exactly. So I take the 20 and then if it's double heads, I keep the money. And if it's, you know, tails, oh. I give you the money. So basically, if you give money to someone with the thing on their head, you're betting against them. So if there was a lot of trust, a lot of like weird community betting and stuff, because you could easily get lost in the crowd and you could run away with people's money. Uh, but there was serious amounts of money because right. we just brought a few 20s and we were like, oh, are we being really rich now putting betting 20s? 
but there was people putting down like 250 500 couple of, like thousand oh, dollars oh, going oh. up and it's a complete game of chance it's 50 50 win or lose and guess what rob i must be unlucky are lucky in an unlucky way i lost five in a row of a 50 50 game so work out the odds on that that's uh, yeah. basically 10 percent chance i had of losing five in a row and i did um but yeah. Maeve was a lot more lucky she came away with some, <laughs> some winnings on that one so that was the two up game and eventually it just got so ridiculous because it got really busy we went there early enough that it was half an hour to get a beer Speak. and it was 30 okay. minutes to go for uh, a urination okay that was that was interesting but speaking of games and thrones let's talk the first three episodes of the final season of game of thrones now i will start and i will say the first episode and i'm sure you'll agree but you know people want to hear your opinion because you might have a different opinion is it's been two years they want to remind everybody who everybody is, what all the characters' motivations are, and pretty much that's it. Nothing really exciting happened, and though people wanted just total mayhem from episode one to episode six, which they can't do. They can't even do that in one episode, but your thoughts on the first episode? Yeah, definitely. So I feel like the first episode, now a little bit of background on my thoughts on this new season, so... Being only six episodes, and this will tie into the next few episodes that we're going to talk about, I felt like six episodes in my head, I was like, whoa, this is not going to be enough to wrap this up. So the first episode being essentially an extended recap, but not actually being a recap. It was more like setting the table for the next few episodes. There was a lot of reunions going on. What I felt was a lot of plot armor being shedded because people were getting closure and meeting up with people that, you know, we've been waiting seven years to right. reunite They've been, right at seven years and it's been two years since it's been on so that it was a it was a refresher for the casual fans the hardcore fans remember but for the casual fans like me uh though i remembered most of it some of the stuff i forgot the lady on the boat what her motivation was with with theon but it was a it was a good yeah i guess you like you said an extended recap on to episode two this is where i start to get a little bit nervous and episode three we'll get to where HBO has left a lot of people with a bad taste in their mouth with how the Sopranos ended. So the second episode I felt was them trying to make you feel the characters dread, which is why you got all of those characters uh, coming into that room with the fireplace and sitting around and brooding and because it's the impending doom it's death is coming for them so it was understandable but again um out of six episodes another episode with not really all that much happens it's more place setting but emotional place setting you felt you know death was on their doorstep they were getting ready to fight for their lives yeah definitely no that was a good episode in terms of tension building. So essentially, like, there's been no King's Landing. So for six episodes to have no King's Landing, we don't really know what's going on. But definitely that, I basically thought the Fire Room Place episode was going to be a kill list for the next episode. Now, obviously, guys, it has just been a week since it's been out. But there's no holes barred now for this one because we're going to go in. 
to episode three yep. and how that took off. So uh, I'll let you take the stage. Let for me start. Yes, because my, I, I actually watched it twice because the first time I watched it, it's kind of tired. It's, maybe I'm cranky. Uh, to me, uh, people wanted more death. Uh, there were some, the way Theon ended up and uh, let me see, I wrote it down. Uh, Jorah and Byrick. I mean, there were some minor characters that went off into the sunset in a good way. Um, but it was so blurry. It was so dark. And I have other episodes we'll talk about. We'll go back into previous seasons and battles. And I understand, listen, what they did good and creative was the suspense. The first 10 minutes was building suspense. They do that very well. They don't do that as well on other shows. We're not talking about other shows, but on this show, that I don't mind the first 10 minutes because it was really building. It was creating that tension. You want to feel it. You're feeling it. It's coming. It's hitting you in the chest, right? Yeah, definitely. When they sent the... Uh, the Dothraki. What are they? Doth- the Dothraki, yeah. that was. I thought that was creative because the witch had light... had. Uh, made their swords come ablaze that fire it was dark and they went off into the darkness and you see a whole bunch of lit swords and then slowly but surely they all went out uh, which i thought was a cr- very creative i got absolutely but that was the only thing that, that one it was so good yeah i got chills but right after that i said i couldn't tell who from who too much smoke too much cgi clouds couldn't keep track of the dragons. I didn't know where anything was. It was too dark. Uh, it was very for the after that the next twenty minutes or so. I was very very disappointed in that, and I'll compare it to other battles after after you get to speak. Um, to me, these battles cannot be done. I know it was called, uh, um, into was it a long night. The battle of was the, the episode. Yeah, the, the episode was called the Long Night. Well, you know what? They should have they should have built up it to the Long Night and called it, you know, Long Night into Dawn. Yeah, and had the battle at dawn because in the dark, I, I was like, you know, they should have done the opposite with the with the with the dead with the White Walkers or the whatever you want to call them. Yeah, you should have seen their blue eyes in the dark, but you didn't. Like you saw the swords, I was like, I was like, this would be creative. Oh, okay. Which that was just all, yeah, the, all the eyes. For, like, like, did you ever see the movie The Fog? At the end, these the ghosts, these mariner ghosts, their eyes are all lit, even though it's a much closer shot. But, but if you have thousands and thousands of these dead, um, yeah, their eyes blue yeah. and glowing. They, right, it should have been both. It should have been the swords and the eyes. But that was just a um, a creative thing that just popped into my head. While, while while watching where I felt like, oh, they missed the boat on that. They could have done something good with that because really it was so many jump cuts or slash cuts or however you want to call it during the day when they've done other battles during the day, you could see that. But in the dark, I didn't know who was who for a while. Am I, am I rooting for these people? Mm. I don't know who was who. 
I lost track for a while. I, to me, it was very blurry. I could, like I said, I couldn't keep track of the dragons. Who, which dragon was which? Which was the good dragon? Which was the bad dragon? Because sometimes they're in the clouds, especially when he was. I forget who he's waving the fire, and he said, "Oh, they can't see us." And I was like, "Yeah, nobody could see this. Way, way too dark." I thought maybe it was was just me, and then I watched it again, and I said, "Nope, it was way too dark for that twenty minutes." Then it it, it was. Not, I'm not saying it was unsatisfactory uh, or unsatisfying. I just was like, it's too blurry. It's dark and blurry. That combination equals into nothing. I saw nothing. I saw lots of hands or what I thought were hands and arms. And I didn't really see that many uh, scary faces from the dead. Um, to me, that part was – that almost ruined the episode. It took a couple of – if you want to give it us you know, one to 10 rating. I was like, man, this is like a six right now because nothing really is. I, I can't see it. I want to see it. That's the whole point. It, it, especially what we've seen from the previous season and the season before that. And the season before that, there was some s super exciting things yeah. that you saw with your eyes that happened in daylight. So um, to me, I think that was a bad decision to do it at night. You're going to have this big CGI. Listen, they pulled, listen on the, on the realistic sense of it, I would say, listen, they pulled off a an incredible feat to get all these people, all the post-production, all the CGI, the editing. The music was fantastic, as always. Um, I'm, I'm not complaining about that. All I'm complaining about is that blurry 20 minutes of just it was a cluster mess of arms, legs, limbs, slash cuts. Am I rooting for this guy? Is this guy dead is he not dead is she dead is she not dead is she getting gobbled up by who? yeah because i think that might have been part of it because like i enjoyed the episode but i do obviously have a few issues with it now i'm not going to be like you know the connoisseur critic on this one but when i when i saw posts of people who up the contrast yeah. up the brightness you can't see anything either so it actually was meant to be I don't know why they went with that choice, as you were saying. Um, yeah, it was to hide CGI because the Dothraki to scene, I saw to that hide CGI? Up, I don't know. Uh, with the brightness, but it's just a black wall. So when all the guys run towards them, that was all black yeah. up until the point when in the dark version, like everyone saw. And and the way the scene where who, the, the one Dothraki that they focused on his face was like a fraction of a second like you it barely registered that he saw that he they weren't going to win like did you, you remember what the scene that I'm talking about how he quickly yeah. it he when they were going off not from behind it showed one face for a fraction yeah, yeah. of a second and he was like oh like he knew that this wasn't going to happen and then you got went, went right back to the behind yeah, exactly. and then you started to see the the fires going out so i mean it was like milliseconds to me show it give me a second or show it right before or show me the clash and and then i could like get into it but to me like you said it just looked like they ran into a black wall and i was like is that are those the white walkers who are they because they were all i know the dead you know he could resurrect the night uh king could resurrect the dead but i was like who what is i just see a black wall and then the fire's going out continue yeah yeah so yeah like my main complaints like i was actually on the edge of my seat i was really enjoying it regardless of the blurry because the internet's so bad here there was sometimes where it was just dropping down to like 480p or buffering because 
so this is meant to be like the official Foxtel, which is essentially Fox over here, have the rights instead of HBO. Okay. Um, and it's just so bad. It's buffering uh, every two seconds. Everyone I've known, because they're doing a free trial right. for Game of Thrones. Right. And every time you sign up, it's like, oh, connect now to watch Game of Thrones live. So I've watched it live a few mornings. Maybe that's it because everyone's actually watching it. They just can't handle it. But the main issues. So for a couple of seasons, we're following the Night King. He's really badass. You've seen the devastation. Like there was that episode where they were up in the north and they had to sail across the river and they killed everyone. And John's lover got killed and blowing down the wall and all this. But in all that excitement, it was one night. They, yeah. they killed the Night King. Yeah. They killed him. And everyone else who survived, there was so much plot armor. Sansa and Tyrion should have died. They're done. Arya now, her arc is done because she killed the Night King. That was her destiny. Brienne should have died. Uh, she's doing nothing. She got knighted. I thought that was just a death sentence. Grey Worm, who abandoned his post, his training, his vigilance, <laughs> his discipline, just to have this shitty like love arc with the translator who no one cares about. Like, why didn't he die? He should have been out in the forefront. I actually thought he was going to come out instead of Melisandre to light the trench. I thought he was going to sacrifice himself to light the trench on fire. That would have been a lot more meaningful for him, I thought. Yeah. Uh, so there's lots of characters who should have got killed off. I know the Hound, everyone is like waiting for him to kill his brother, the Mountain, uh, all this kind of fan service stuff. Um, but after this, there's three more episodes. Um, they've killed the main threat. Cersei can't top death itself. I don't know where it's going to go. What do you think? Well, I was going to give you... Well, do you want to give your conspiracy theory before I give you my two points and then we'll continue? Yeah, sure. So the thing with Bran now, the new theory... Um, so we don't know what Bran is. We don't know what the Three-Eyed Raven is. Now, the thing with the Night King, for eons, he was trying to you know, chase down the Three-Eyed Raven. We don't know what the Trio Raven has. Some people say he's he is what man encapsulates because he has the, I suppose, the oral history. He has all of mankind's history in him. So the Night King was trying to wipe out humanity. Right. But Bran has never given any explanation of what he is. He just he keeps saying, I am not Bran. I'm not Bran. The Night King would have stayed up in the north. He was never going to march down south until Bran actually crossed. So he was after Bran, first and foremost. If Bran was out in the battlefield, Winterfell would have not got knocked down. Um, so the the new idea out there um, is that Bran is the real enemy altogether. That okay. he's going to know that the Night King is dead. Wait. Now, don't go too 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 far now. Here's, here's what I'm saying is, first, I'll give them credit for not making it. It's always been Jon Snow as the hero, right? Jon Snow has always been saving the day. I thought it was a good choice to have Arya kill the Night King, even though it was real easy. Was, yeah. Uh, so that I'll give them credit for, for not going the what everyone expected. They gave you a little twist that it wasn't Jon Snow to come and save the day. Yeah, lucky for her, he was wearing a belly top. Yeah, yeah right? The other theory that I thought was going to – well, I wasn't hoping for, but I just thought about that if this happened – that possibly they would want to be part of the dead. Like, let the dead, let they all become White Walkers, and then they all go after Cersei 
and the whole world dies. The world is dead. Everything is. That's what I was hoping the, for it to be. The honest. Night King. The Night King. But but since that didn't happen, and we still have the Cersei. So this is sort of like, uh, we'll go. Episode one is remembering, uh, character studies. Character. Uh, episode two is, um, brooding. Uh, more characters uh, study. Three is the epic battle, which was it did go for like ninety six minutes on HBO, but then it gave you like ten minutes of like what the writers thought and their scheme and 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 listen, I know more people should have died, but like Theon went out. Like I know he's not a major character. I know a, a lot of major characters, but maybe there's something really really cool coming. Because of that, I don't know. We have to put it in, into perspective. Since we only got, we're, let's call it halfway through the book, because it's three episodes, there's three more coming. You cannot yeah. totally judge. But let's talk about this in terms of battles. In terms of other battles, and I'll just name the season and the, and the, and the episode. Season five, episode eight, Hard Home, when they went to... Um, he yeah, finally so convinced the he convinced the wildlings to go talk to them and get the dragon glass. That was an amazing fifteen minute. You could see it, everything. You got a giant turn turn into a White Walker. Um, you had the Night King there. You had all of that stuff. Um, then you had in season six, episode nine, you had the Battle of the Bastards, which was a half hour, well, roughly. 30 minutes again in daylight with the suspense building with the character building another battle and then see uh, and then season seven six beyond beyond the wall and then into the finale season uh season seven episode seven yeah i like to combine them because there's so much that from that episode that when they were stuck on the ice and all the white walkers and the dragon going in never expected them to Pull the dragon out oh of the ice God. and and that make it a walker. Amazing. Was that not that's okay? So so compare the battles in all the of the and I'm not going back too far, but of these of these that I checked because while it's on it's on demand and I could skim through real quick. I, I wrote down these battles which were clear in daylight. Then the smoke and the fog and all the because it's icy and cold and wintry and snowy. All of that makes sense because you could see yeah. it all. Your thoughts. I thought the previous battles, like obviously nearly everyone died in this episode, right? But I thought the dread and the power and you didn't really know what was going on or the true power of the Night King. I thought the one where, like, as you said, the hard home one where they killed everyone and they had to go off in a boat yeah. was amazing. Like brilliant episode. You're like, oh, my God, this is death. Death is going to come for you. Then the episode where they killed the dragon. Yeah, it was a little bit cheap that danny came at the last second with the dragon you know whatever it's it's also a tv show and yeah yeah but i'm saying but battle wise you got to yeah, see it yeah and there was suspense like the, the battle, of the, battle of the bastards was amazing was i think one of the best battles of, a, of an episode where you were not yeah. bored see that your your people that want mayhem from episode one to episode six don't understand the concept of the show because how could you no, sustain you it you can't sustain it no you can't start it yeah you can't you can't sustain it even in one episode even if it's a longer episode which i think it was an actual runtime was 80 yeah, minutes it was meant to be and then i think it was meant minutes. to be longer than the battle of helms deep was like what yeah. they kept saying yeah 
I mean, there was also the Red Wedding, but I don't consider that like a battle battle. I'm talking about like it, of the epic battles of fighting and arrows and that kind of stuff. I I don't think that this really is the uh, king of all battles. I, I didn't like it in the dark. The darkness, it, it, t- it took a lot out of it for me because I want to see. They have the budget. I don't know why they did it at night. They could maybe could have started at night. Maybe you have the dragon start and then have a a time skip or something. I don't know why you had to do it at night. Yeah. Cause all the fog and the, especially the bad CGI fog and the bad, and then you had to have the CGI clouds for the dragons. To me, it, it just took away of the, of that 20 minutes of the 40 minute, 45 minute battle yeah. part of it. Well, my- um, half the battle, half, half the battle to me was just blur. I was like, you know, at, at the 10 minute part, of that first 20 minutes, I, I gave up. I said, you know what? I'm just, I give up. I, I really was, I was really frustrated. And then it got more where there was fire and light and you could see yeah. stuff Well, when, you know, but yeah, so my take dead. on the battle, it was not so much you're watching the battle, but the dread and the impending wave of death, essentially where all every five minutes, there was an extra layer of defense getting knocked back. So you're like, Oh my God. Yes. I get that. But Rich, the question was of the battles yeah. that I mentioned. No, probably rank I'll the rank battles. Them. Uh, the, not rank them, but the, as compared to the other battles, this battle didn't come off as I was excited. You, you're all, you know why you're excited because you know there's only three more episodes yeah. left. That's how yeah, why yeah. it feels like there's a, there's is, is a built-in mechanism for the suspense. You you know that there's not going to be a next season, so you know that yeah, hey, something, some yeah. people are going to die here. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. As of as a battle, just rank the battle, and then we'll rank. Yeah, the episode. it was probably you know Battle of the Bastards was probably my favorite one. Um, yeah. Then yeah, I just prefer the ones out in the light. Uh, even the one where the dragons burnt yeah. all the uh, the Lannister men that time as well. That was the, the, a the, good yes. open field battle. Yes, that was. Um, yeah, this yeah, was just amazing. dark and blurry, but as you said, yeah, it's built in mechanism, but it was still, I found it suspenseful. I just looked past it being dark and blurry. I was like, look, it is what it is. Take it for what it is like waves of dead. And it, maybe yeah. it was meant to be confusing and dark and murky, but a lot of people were kind of pissed off at that, which is rightful because we've waited so I, long yeah. for this. Uh, they kind of did it the dirty. Maybe yes. they'll do some remixed release for like the DVD or something where it's like, okay, We've actually fixed the contrast and upped it and did everything properly. Because I've seen so many articles online of like how to turn on cinematic mode, turn off the uh, soap opera effect, get the most out of the episode. But I'm like, guys, HBO just dropped the ball. You shouldn't have to rewire your whole uh, TV just to yeah. make it a little less blurry. But um, yeah. But here's, but here's my point is in certain parts, it was very effective when Arya is in the library, yeah. I will call it, and she kills, and it's and she's doing the yeah. hide and seek thing. That's wonderful because you're getting the moonlight coming through the glass, and it's well lit, but and it's got that film noir, and it's what would be what an excellent horror movie would look like. So in that, for that respect, it was good. But for the battling and the especially when they were running in the hallways, sometimes I'm like, where are they running to? Again, running yeah. into a black hole, running into 
to nothing. I mean, maybe that's a quote unquote. If you want to get artsy, you want to say they're running into the darkness or stuff like that. I don't want to. I don't want to get overly philosophical or artistic on this. I'm just saying the visual wise that the darkness annoyed me for the that 20 minutes annoyed me, and the, sometimes the running in the castle, I couldn't see who was who. But then sometimes, like, uh, I've, who's the little girl queen who got killed by oh, the um, Aliana by the giant? Aliana. Yeah, oh, yeah, Liana, something like that. Yeah, that was good. Why was that well lit well enough where you could see her remote and see him get uh, the knife in the eye and they both fall? You know, you know what I'm saying? Whereas the other things seem like uh, just a blurry yeah. nothing. A blurry mess. Just it. Just that twenty minutes is the only thing. And then I watched it again, and I would say I raised it another like point and a half because I knew it was going to be blurry. But then I watched it more together and more, you know, I, like I was more focused on the episode. I could watch it with no no nobody around, and it, I, it was yeah. just me and the show. And I was able to enjoy it a little bit more, but still annoyed with that blur. Though again. I don't want to tangent too long on this, but it might be for a reason. Uh, it might be a artistic reason, a metaphor for something. But again, like when we talked about other shows doing, giving the fans the middle finger for the production company breaking their chops, um, why do that to the fans? You know we want to see the show. Why make it blurry and cloudy and murky I didn't see anything. To me, it was a blur for 20 minutes. And um, I'd rather have 20 minutes of uh, 25 minutes of a clear battle instead of this uh, the 10-minute preamble, which is good. It, it, like I said, they do the suspense good. Because if you start off right off the bat with just absolute mayhem, yeah, exactly. it gets boring. No, it was- You'll it was, it's it's like anything it's like it's like porn and blood and horror if, if it's bloody right from minute one no it was good i was into that you're right i i was feeling the when the soldiers were getting ready and the first wave went and the other guys got their spears ready and as the defenses like was, were full yeah. i felt it like it was great it pacing i found for an 80 minute episode like it was essentially a tv yeah. movie if you want to look at it like that it was really good yeah uh, so i suppose final thoughts then on the episode are you looking forward to the next three you know the first two were were now well you, you uh, now i have it in retrospect so when i first watched it i was like what nothing's gonna yeah. happen in this episode i'm like i'm looking at it, i'm like it's 9 50 there's only 10 minutes there's nothing's gonna happen they're just gonna talk and meet so now in retrospect i could say okay you know that's setting the table the, the third one, I mean, the second one was like you like you said, you you thought was going to be the death list. They might have something really big in store. I don't know if they do the Walking Dead method where um, they have to live up to the books or they don't have to live up to the books. I don't. I think they're up to their free reign. I think they had to do the books up yeah, to a certain point. Yeah, it was the middle point, of last season, I think. David, okay, yeah. Now, so I guess they have free reign, so they don't have to be beholden to any storyline like a, a pre-existing yeah. storyline there's nothing there's no trying to um twist on the uh, or trick the readers it's all just one 
audience now. It's not like The Walking Dead where people are whatever. I don't know what level of the comics they're up to, yeah. 120 or whatever. Uh, so that that's where the freedom comes. So maybe they have something really, really good in store. I don't know. We'll have to do this again yeah, in three weeks definitely. or for whenever whenever that finally when that final episode ends. And then I would I would need time to digest it because I found that the same thing with um, True Detective. It, I, I watched some episodes two or three times because you miss little things, but then that turned out to be a total MacGuffin, uh, uh, empty, nothing ending. So um, this this one I watched twice just because I wanted to give it a fair chance, and I did. I felt a little bit better the second time around, but uh, I, I know I'm going to say it again, that blurry darkness, it just it ruined it, for a, especially for a lot of people that are expecting that HBO Sopranos well, you know, if it happens, they know that the cable yeah. didn't go out. Yeah. You know, is it gonna is it gonna fade to black? Is it, what's gonna happen? You know, because he they if uh, if I could tell a quick story here, not to go off on a tangent, but I forget somebody wrote a book about the Sopranos and they got to interview David Chase, yeah. and uh, by accident he let it out that Tony Soprano got whacked. It wasn't. You got whacked. The audience got whacked. He got whacked. You just—that's just the camera angle he chose yeah. to use. So I don't know. That's why people are a lot of fans. I bet you a lot of fans are leery of. Okay, listen, we love this show. You've been awesome all the way up to here. Don't blow it now. Don't be overly creative. You know, like basically, people are saying. And like they said with the Sopranos, don't give me the blank cassette and then tell me yeah, to yeah. fill in the music. Show me your story. Your uh, this is why we watch shows because in real life it this doesn't happen. We, there are no dragons, and it doesn't. And life is it's why it's called the banality of life. It's because you know every day isn't Christmas or exciting or adventurous. Some days are just average. Most days are just average. So that's why we live vicariously through television and movies and books because it's what the, the possibility could be. So that's what people are leery of the HBO uh, doing the double twist, double twists on you. That's what I'm not afraid of. I'm just saying that I've, once you've been burned once, really? yeah. you know, and, and I'm not saying everybody, not everybody has to die. Not every show has to end when everybody dies. There could be a very satisfying conclusion to a story where the people don't die. Either pick – you aren't going to please everyone. And I always use this analogy where the people that want chocolate, you give them chocolate, they're happy. But the people that like vanilla, they're not happy. You give the people – you give the people vanilla – yeah. If you give the people vanilla, the people that like chocolate don't like it. So you're going to please everybody. So just pick one, pick, 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 be decisive in your ending. Either have Cersei win or I was hoping, you know, and just in a crazy, because just as a crazy idea, imagine if everybody became a White Walker and then Cersei, who has been this evil witchy uh, queen, gets her comeuppance from the dead and then it, that's yeah. it. It just oh. ends with everybody that's what dead. I thought, the because world is I dead. I was thinking maybe if they had dealt with Cersei and 
interposed this episode as the second last one, if not the last one, and they wrapped it up. Because I thought basically, right. uh, I thought it was going to be a case of they'd have to like retreat from Winterfell. They'd have to be like running to the south. They'd get attacked on both fronts, you know, something like that. So to have it, yeah, to kind of have yeah, it all done in, in one night and call it the long night. It was just a bit like, uh, you kind of built it up. Because watching it, it was amazing. But after the fact now, it's just like, oh, the Night King is dead. Oh, right. That right. arc is over. Like, what's going to happen? But overall, I'm looking forward to the next three. And let's see what is in store for that. Well, let me ask you, let me, before we wrap it up, let me ask you this. Now, now that we had the big, exciting, because you know how they do this. It's only been, uh, I don't know, every season has their one big, exciting epic episode there's only so much budget i don't think they could squeeze in another epic war battle maybe they can maybe they can't i don't know but don't you feel like episode four is gonna be the um aftermath it's gonna be the, uh, the yeah it's gonna be the regrouping episode. telling the troops they have literally all they have left yeah. is about five soldiers two children and that little girl who didn't defend the crypt she should clean up the crypt for her troubles she she didn't do anything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> next episode is going to be Tally. Second last episode is going to be Fight with Cersei. Last episode is going to be Aftermath. Oh. That is my shout for the last three. Oh, that's your thing? I, I I feel like the... Right, I almost... I feel like if they do it good, I think that four should be the regrouping, uh, licking the wounds, to tallying the dead. Who? What do we got left? Uh, how do we move forward episode... That's going to be a talky talk, uh, talky talk episode. I feel like episode five could be build up with some action as a two parter. I don't know if you've watched television where there's yeah. been a two part episode. Why can't this be a two part? Like have this have you wait a whole week where you go? Oh, it started. No, I, oh, I got to wait a whole week to watch this. So I feel like they don't have to wrap up something in the fifth episode. They could start something somewhere yeah, in the I don't know how long it's going to be, but somewhere in the last the last twenty minutes start the war or start the or have somebody get angry and this is what, what's going to happen. Have it start and then have it finish because you don't. Do you really want an aftermath no, episode for six? Not Do you a want a war and aftermath. five and then probably finish the war yeah, and aftermath? That's and what I'm saying. Uh, and then yeah, and then maybe like fifteen minutes. Yeah, but then I don't know if you want to wrap it up. Do you really want to? To me, I feel like it should be all out war and then because it's been a, it's a violent show. So why not just go out with a bang? I mean, they've done everything. I, I and honestly, like I said to you before, um, off the air, I don't know how they top. Last season, last season to me was so spectacular that if I when I was yeah, a kid, that would have been amazing because I re I rewatched that before watching the first episode, and actually, me to too. be honest with you, if they had just ended the whole series on that, <laughs> I know <laughs> it could have been right. Now I'm starting to feel like, wow, how are they going to top that and make it more action packed climax than that? Especially now that you have that's, no White that's, Walkers. That's what I said at the start there. I was like, how is Cersei going to be a bigger threat than death itself? I just don't know what tricks. Because over the seasons, very quickly, she has gone so, from like conniving, yeah. suspicious, yep. like working behind the scenes to just a really one note, I'm bad and I'm an emotional kind of witchy character. Uh, I hope she turns good in terms of her scheming uh, over the next few episodes. But that's my thoughts on that. 
So the predictions of uh, so does Cersei win? Does the evil win nah, in the it, end? It's been projected my, for uh, too long that basically Jon Snow. Because I think there's one or two things going to happen with Daenerys. Firstly, she's either going to snap because she's so power hungry yeah. and be a sort of mirror of the mad queen, mad king scenario that John is going to have to kill her because he is not going to fall for the follies of his own father with pride and everything. He's going to actually do what's right for the people or Danny will actually be like, Oh no, I'm being power hungry. This is what's best for everyone because essentially they're sort of like telegraphing it with Sansa being like, we'll never bow to another king. So John is sort of the linchpin of uniting the North and everyone. So I think he's just going to have yeah, to but- be the king. But they could throw an absolute wrench in there and get him absolutely slaughtered next episode. Who knows? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, Rich, they have to give you some misdirection because otherwise it'll be... Yeah. They don't want to telegraph too much. I'm just saying... You know, like you said, that would be a good twist or maybe not be a good twist. Maybe people are already thinking about that where in episode five, is that how you want it to go? Episode five, Cersei's dethroned and then it's a Jon Snow Daenerys fight for the episode six. Who is taking I think at this the, stage, the Iron Throne? Because again, is that, another is point, that the, all the first couple of yeah. seasons were very political again and scheming. And as this went along, it's just become very like right. emotional uh, brave, uh, acting without thinking, sort of, oh, yeah, look at him. So th- as the show has progressed, it's actually become like lowest common denominator. More people are watching it. It's actually dumbed down a lot, which I'm not complaining. I'm still really enjoying it. But compared to the first couple of seasons where it was very political, very scheming, everything sort of wrapped up in a bow. Yeah, but but always... Yeah, but that was also... Those seasons were very hard to watch because I as I got into the show i got i binged two episodes and i said how is this how is this an amazing show i was like do you really have to start with the dragons as eggs can, can we yeah, not yeah, have yeah. baby dragons already like literally, literally you don't have to start from the zygote <laughs> of the of the dragon you know then i don't have to, you know it was a bit a bit too much yeah those se- those seasons were hard to get through and i kind of i'm kind of glad when people people were complained about the red wedding i was i was glad and i was glad that joffrey yeah, was poisoned down. because i it was less people cuts the cast down and it you were able to follow better so i don't think the show was actually dumbed down well, sorry, i just think that the show it became more lost its characters more streamlined. Yeah, it became more streamlined. But I don't think on purpose. I think once I, I think they were locked in for four seasons with the books. And then once they were out of that contract, they had free reign to use his characters the way they HBO saw fit, as long as I don't know, as long as they didn't like totally make Jon Snow uh, uh, opposite of what his character is, is yeah. meant to be like within reason. I think it's some there's some sort of clause with it. Like you could use the character, you could do what you want with them. You can't just don't kill make him before them, X time, blah blah blah, like all that. You know, yeah, don't can't kill him X time time, or don't yeah, make yeah, him yeah. dye his hair blonde, and you know, don't make him a punk rock, don't make him a punk rocker, and don't turn this into a space opera, or you know, something like that. I think that was the deal. But yeah, so yeah, uh, you want to sure. wrap up on that note and uh, and let everybody give everybody uh, give everybody the uh, announcement again so they can remember the YouTube and the Patreon. Exactly. So just to reiterate, third time's a charm. 
head on over to YouTube, click on the Bizarre Cast, click that bell, subscribe, do all those nice things. There will be content coming that in the future. And again, guys, your lovely patronage. If you enjoy the show, give us some beer, tuna, and coffee money. We would <laughs> greatly appreciate it. We've been putting our hearts and souls every day every time into this there's a lot going on behind the scenes to make this show and you can make it even better help us out with that one so that's patreon.com forward slash the bizarre cast link in the show notes as well so thank you very much for listening guys this has been richard and robert signing out for another episode of the bizarre see you on the flip side check us out at the bizarre cast everywhere end of line